Listen, Joel. I don't think we should see each other anymore. <laughs> this friendship, it's not working. Not working? What are you talking about? We're just not suited to be friends. Well, how can you say that? Look, you're a nice guy. It's just that we don't have anything in common. Wait, wait, wait what did I do? Tell me what, I want to know what I did. You, you didn't do anything. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's, this is very difficult. Look, I, I know I call you too much, right? I mean, I, I know, you're a very busy guy. No, it's not that. You're one of the few people I can talk to. Now, come on, that's not true. No, I always tell everybody about you and tell everybody to go see your show. <laughs> I mean, I'm your biggest fan. I know, I know. I mean, you're my best friend. Best friend? I've never been to your apartment. I cannot believe that this is happening. I can't believe it. Okay, okay, forget it. It's okay. I didn't mean it. Did me what? What I said. I've been under a lot of stress. Oh, you've been under a lot of stress. <laughs> well, just... Can we just forget the whole thing ever happened? I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I took it out on you. We're, we're still friends. We're still friends. Still friends. Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. I am Dando. And I am Guy. Hello there, folks. How are we all doing? I, I don't know about the listeners. They can't respond to you, but I'll tell you that I'm doing very, very well, sir. It's like I just went to, I got a new TV. So basically, I had a bunch of stuff from JB that I didn't require um, anymore. So I took <laughs> it back and got store credit and got ourselves a TV for the bedroom. So now we can lay in bed and... Watch all the uh, Tiger King that we wish. <laughs> oh, you can quarantine within the in the quarantine zone. That's fantastic. Oh, how, how far are you into Tiger King? Oh, we literally only watched like, the first episode, so we haven't revisited it since we last spoke. Okay, well, <laughs> it's going to get interesting. It, it never stops being interesting, let's say that much. Good to hear. I mean, I'm, did they give you any static at JB about returning stuff? I mean, or were they uh, like, no, oh, no, not at all. So, what? like, obviously, um, they looked at it, made sure it was all good and just said, yeah, sure, store credit's fine. You can't get a full refund if something's been opened, but if it's in good condition and it hasn't been used very much, they'll give you store credit. And I just went, cool, thank you. It stopped over for a TV. So, now... We can actually, you know, because normally we watch Netflix and whatnot. We haven't got a TV in the bedroom, so we have to stay up if we want to watch something. But now once Elliot goes down, we can just go chill in bed if we want to. I can't oh, wait. marvellous. Self-isolation does have an upside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, male unbonding. This was the first episode that was made after Seinfeld Chronicles, the pilot. And I feel like at times it, uh, it really showed. Um, however... What it also did, though, the positives was it, it shows the cast, like the, the characters themselves, they already have an inability to see their own flaws and are already focusing on the flaws of everybody else, which was the constant of Seinfeld. So that's still there. But I feel like this show was somewhat of a backward step from the previous two episodes. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, it was early in the process and, yeah, they're still sort of, uh, yeah, working out the uh, the kinks and all that. But I think you, you nailed a very good point there that, um, yeah, these are not self-reflective people they are not sort of looking at their own flaws but they are very happy to um yes point out the flaws of others mainly because yes it stops you sort of yeah doing a little bit of self-examination um it's not just a thing about Seinfeld you could say it's a thing about life really I mean uh, yeah it's, I, that's what we're all like <laughs> no I, I look I was pretty happy with the episode I mean it's uh again just a uh, it's a good 
you know, just a nutshell of a concept that they uh, are able to spin out into a, you know, 25-minute uh, good bit of comedy and, um, you know, a, a really strong, uh, I guess, guest performance by Kevin Dunn as the male that uh, Jerry is trying to unbond with. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was pretty happy with this episode. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right. It does show us sort of a few of the, um, I don't know, maybe inherent flaws of the show and its characters. But, it, it, again, it's, it's early in the process, so, you know... They've, uh, they're just warming up, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you and I, we're going back and revisiting the um, the first Simpsons episodes for doing our audio commentaries. And as we say on there, you can't call these episodes bad because they're only just starting. They didn't have, you know, the response from the audience. They didn't know what people liked, what they didn't like. You just got to accept them for what they are. And it's not like it's a bad episode. It's just I thought the previous two were a little bit funnier. But still, like yeah, I said, exactly. uh, Kevin Dunn as Joel, I thought he was one of the standouts. He was great. He was great. I mean, we will talk a little more about him as the uh, as this podcast episode goes on. I think when people talk about maybe their favourite Simpsons episode or even their favourite Seinfeld episodes, they're usually a little later in the run. I mean, maybe not near the very end of the run, but certainly in the first two or three or four seasons. I also appreciated how Kramer's already talking about the idea for his pizza shop where you make your own pie, and that gets revisited <laughs> later on with Poppy. It does indeed. It does feel like that this is a world that was already sort of um, already developed or already sort of going on and we're just sort of, you know, coming in halfway. I mean, th- these are people who sort of have private jokes and prior relationships and wacky ideas that have sort of been going on long before we sort of became part of the, um, you know, the Seinfeld family. It's something I dig about any show, but I really dig about this show. What's interesting is that, and I noticed it more so during this episode but also in the previous ones, is that George isn't really getting his own stories yet. He's more just the, the friend of Jerry who gives advice. Yeah, I think they're, they're making these um, these early episodes very much about Jerry. I mean, well, you know, the show's called Seinfeld. It's like, oh, well, let's focus on this Jerry guy. He's the, uh, he's the stand-up comedian. He's bound to have a lot of interesting uh, or funny stuff going on. Yeah, I think one of the show's strengths as it went along realised, oh, wait a minute, all these characters uh, are just as interesting, not as sort of su- adjuncts to Jerry, They've all got lives, as, as I was saying, they've all got lives of their own. Some are even more, even more interesting than Jerry. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's crazy that, like, by, say, season four or five, Kramer was the one that people tuned in for, essentially. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I think I've said in the past, I'm, I'm not a huge Kramer guy. I mean, if you had to cut one person out of the core quartet, I could probably live without Kramer. He's done okay. a lot of good stuff along the way and a lot of entertaining stuff. For mine, I really enjoy the whole... I enjoy the Jerry George relationship, and I enjoy, I enjoy the Jerry Elaine relationship. The Kramer stuff, yeah. Look, it's not unfunny, but it's uh, it's one that I could live without if if I had to. I think Kramer was the character the show needed because they like to push the boundaries and do stuff that's really wacky. And I think Kramer was the character that you could actually believe would do it. Where Jerry, Elaine, and George sometimes I felt like eh, I'm not sure whether these guys would actually go to that extent. But Kramer. All bets are off, you know what I mean? Oh, very much so. He's, he's very much a loose cannon. I mean, any sort of um, mistakes or faux pas or foot-in-mouth sort of uh, incidents that happen by Jerry or George or Elaine, they're usually an accent they, and it's usually, uh-oh, whereas, yeah, Kramer's just a wild card. And it's like, oh, you know, he'll do something just for the sake of doing it. You know, it might be, it might be fun, it might, you know... <laughs> It might get him the attention of a lady. It, it it might do any number of things, but he's not gonna. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to make that many mistakes, or he doesn't seem to slip up that much. I mean, if he does, sort of, if people are like, 
oh, Kramer is kind of like, well, you know, at least I went for it. <laughs> yeah, like he, he has one of those lifestyles where things just seem to always work out for him, even when they're not. Well, I mean, it didn't always work out for him, but essentially a lot of the time it was just like, like you said, oh, Kramer. Oh, yeah. And he's pretty much Teflon. I mean, yeah, it pretty much slides off him. I don't think there are any too, I don't think there are too many lasting consequences for Kramer. No. Now, this was an interesting tidbit, and in the only episode to have or to not have the word the uh, in the title. And yeah. I read that Larry David decided that he wanted to go with the something or the like for every episode because he didn't want the writers wasting too much time trying to think of a clever title. That's a, it's, it's a really good. I read that myself, and I thought that was actually really interesting because I mean, um, yeah, Friends sort of did the same thing, although in a slightly different way. You know, they named every episode the one with the such and such. And you may, you may think that sounds like less work, but it probably ends up making them making more work. Yeah, whereas you just call an episode The Something, and it doesn't, yeah, you, you don't have to put a lot of thought into it. And yeah, Larry's right, the jokes actually can go into the show as opposed to, you know, wasting five or ten minutes coming up with a fun episode title. I mean, I think I, I said on one of our other shows the other day that I you know, went down a YouTube rabbit hole looking at um, old uh, intros from old shows, from the te- old TV shows from the 1970s. And they'll have, you know, like, tonight's episode is called The Kissin' Cousin or something along those lines. And you can tell the, the writer of the show probably high-fived themselves after that one. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you probably could have spent a little more time in the actual script as opposed to just, you know, coming up with a cool title. Having said that, having a cool title on the uh, opening script page, you know, probably caught the attention of the producer and like, hmm, what if the whole script's as good as this? Maybe I'll bet. Yeah, that's, that <laughs> is true. Although, what I will say is that the, the way that Seinfeld did their titles, it means if you're flicking through the TV guide and you see the title, you know exactly what the episode is, purely because they always highlight the, the main part of the story. Where Just say, for example, we'll say The Simpsons, right? Um, yeah. Let's think of an episode. Much a poo about nothing. If you don't know that episode, you know it's going to be something about a poo, but you yeah. don't really know what the episode's about. You know what you, I mean? You Unless you're a hardcore fan. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm a, as we all know, I'm a sucker for a, big, a good bit of wordplay, for a good pun. Much I poo about nothing is like, hey, nice one. And, but having said that, I might watch the episode and go, eh, I think you blew your wad with the, with the, with the episode title there, pal. Um, whereas, yeah, I think, I think Larry David's onto something here. It's just like, no, nah, no, nah, just this is what it's about and the jokes are in the show. What was your favourite moment from Male Unbonding? I think I liked the whole, um, I liked the whole attempted breakup with Joel Horneck in the uh, in the diner in the in the. That's cafe. mine as well. Yep, yep. It, it's really good. I mean, it's 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 uh, terrific work by Kevin Dunn. Who um, he's one. There's a saying. Oh, I've forgotten what it was on. It might have been on a on a um, a website called. Um, <laughs> oh, do we actually call them websites anymore? God, that makes me feel very old. But um, a site called uh, Television Without Pity that sort of did. It was one of the early recappers of. Um, of just hundreds and hundreds of TV shows. But they had a whole bunch of different categories and one was um, for actors called, hey, it's that guy. And it's an actor who's like, I don't automatically know your name. It'll come to me in a second, but I know your face and I know you from this, this and this. And, um, and Kevin I feel, Dunst- like Paul, I feel like Paul Giamatti is a good case of that for a lot of people. Oh, very much. So. I mean, Paul Giamatti is, is now, called, now kind of Paul Giamatti. I mean, you do know his name, but yeah, for a while it's like, oh, you're that guy who... You know, gets really angry, or you're a bit of a sad sack, and oh, it's it's you, you pulled something, yeah. And then you and, and 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 who's the who's the voice of Rex from Toy Story? That actor, what's his name? Oh, um, the he's balding, and he was in The Grinch as well. I think he played the mayor. Is it Wall? I think it's Wallace Shawn. Something like that, but that, that when you yeah, see he was his in. Face, he was, like, oh yeah, that guy. I know him from. Yeah, things. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the inconceivable guy from The Princess Bride. 
Yes, he is, yes. Yeah, that's Wallace Shawn. Yeah, yeah. But um, And Kevin Dunn, like I think a lot of people know him from the um, – he was Shia LaBeouf's dad in the Transformers movies. That's probably the thing that sort of made him uh, – got him his highest profile and made him his most banked. But, I mean, he's been in a heap of stuff. I think he's, he's been on Veep recently opposite Julia okay. Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah, so he's, uh, I think he was in that from the start. Yeah, but the uh, thing about Kevin Dunn, he auditioned to play George. Yes, I did read that. Very interesting. I'm, I feel like he might have been able to pull it off. Like he, like his neuroticism in that diner was just spot on. He he made you feel sorry for Jerry. <laughs> he did a bit, yeah. And I mean, I I really liked his performance. And but when I was trying to think about him as George, I mean, Jason Alexander owns George now and forever, as far as I'm yes, concerned. Yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but and I think one of the reasons he does that is um, Alexander Jason Alexander's George can be kind of belligerent and aggressive but there's an underlying kind of pathetic nature to him and yeah i'm pretty sure i mean kevin dunn's a good actor i'm pretty sure he could pull that off but there's something a little more sort of belligerent and aggressive about kevin dunn in the performance that i've seen him do not in just in this episode but in other shows and in other movies and i get the feeling mm, i think i think jason alexander had just the right mix of all these qualities not just to bring george to life but to work well off these other off these other actors, off off Jerry, off Julia, off uh, of Michael Richards. Look, it would it would have been interesting, certainly. But I mean, uh, I'm glad things played out the way they did, and I'm glad we got this uh, performance as Joel Horneck. I think that's a really great character name as well. Mm, yeah, it is. Completely agree. <laughs> it's, get, getting back to what you're saying about um with uh, Jason Alexander as George, I feel like you're right because Jason as George, when he's yelling at somebody, he's never really intimidating. It's more no. a case of, oh, look at this guy welling over his head thinking he's tough. But when Joel's yelling at the waitress, he's a little scary. He is, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is a guy who, not that you wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of him, but it's like, oh, this is just unpleasant. Whereas, you know, you, and you might go home and feel, feel a bit kind of, oh, honey, I just had a really bad you know, customer at the cafe today. Whereas, you know, if George yelled at you, you'd go home and you'd make fun of him. He's like, yes. <laughs> this little wieners tried to step to me at the cafe. It's like, you know, I put salt in his coffee later or something along those lines. Just, you're not really intimidated by Jason Alexander's George. I think you could be intimidated maybe slightly by Kevin Dunn's George. Yeah, completely agree. Well, I, I also appreciated the scene uh, with Jason, with George and Jerry in the bank. And it's just the, <laughs> the quick little uh, jibe where he's like, what are you talking about? My friend went on a holiday with a jar of coins or something along those lines. Like, where'd he go? The arcade? <laughs> I did like that. What did he say? I've, I've, all my money's in coins or something. Along. Oh, my, yeah. No, my money's all tied up in change. Which I thought that was, that was a really great line. And as someone who's got jars of five cent pieces around the house, I can really relate. <laughs> Do you still seriously have that? I've got like two good sized jars full of five and ten cent pieces. Wow, man. I haven't seen one of those in like. I, I used to do that, but God, I, I haven't even seen a five cent coin in God knows how I know, long. I should really... I, are there banks that you can take it into and just sort of, you know, dump it in a container and they'll um, it'll work it out for you? Or or do you have to do it yourself? Like in, in this episode, do you have to like, we'll give you a bunch of cardboard rolls, but you have to sort of fill them up and then bring it in? I thought they could do it by weight. I get the feeling you can do that. It's... <laughs> I get the feeling it's mostly kids bringing their piggy banks, though, and he'll be this old bastard. <laughs> you know, it would have been a great way to have a great moment to have in this scene would have been just say they can do it by weight. So you have George arrive with this coin, and she says, put it on the scales, and he tips the coins on, and she goes to give him a total, and then he goes, well, how do you know there's that? Many? It could be off by a few coins. 
That would have been a good moment, I reckon. It'd be a very a very Seinfeldy moment, absolutely. <laughs> Trivia for this week. I've got four questions. How many have you got, Mr. David? Um, hmm, that's a very good question. How about we start with one of yours, and um, okay. and um, oh, I will go from there. I, I can. I'm pretty sure I can come up with at least three. Okay. All righty. Well, my first question is: George finds some floss in his pocket. Um, it comes out, and that's why he thinks the girl split up with him because uh, she had floss in his hand. What flavor was the floss? Was it mint? It was mint, correct. I, green. I do remember it was very green. That floss. I don't think I've. I don't think I've ever used coloured floss. I've, well, Nicola flosses every night. And I don't like it. I, I've always. I know they some dentists say you should floss. I'm, I'm all of them say you should floss, but it just to me it just feels like it's going to ruin your gums. I don't know. I, I'm not a professional. It just looks and sounds gross. I, I look. I'm not a regular flosser, and yeah, probably should be, but. Uh, yeah, I think you need to sort of be taught proper flossing techniques from the from the get go. Otherwise, you're right. I mean, you could you know do your gums a bit of a mischief. I'm pretty sure that there's, I'm pretty sure there's something on YouTube that could teach you how to do it. Your first question: What is it, sir? Apparently, there. Um, well, among the four worst words in the English language are "we have to talk," but there's another worst four words that um, that are mentioned in this episode. It's a question, and it involves an <sighs> undergarment. Do you remember that uh, those four, those four words? Is it whose bra is this? It is indeed whose bra is this. <laughs> and that's very true. <laughs> it's not a question you want to hear. Uh, my next question is: How far away from Jerry did Joel live when they were growing up? Oh, clue they're on the same street. Three houses down. Well done. Yes. Oh, I, th- I was going to go with two, and then I thought I think it's a bit more than that. Now mine's actually. Semi. My next question is actually semi-related to that. Joel had a particular. Um, he had something fun at his house that uh, you know prompted Jerry to keep being his friend. Do you remember what that thing was? Was it a ping pong table? It was indeed a ping pong table. Uh, I would yes. have been friends with Stalin if he had a ping pong table. I love ping pong, and I have not played it in many years. But it's just one of those things where the idea of having a ping pong table at your house sounds great, but they just take up so much room. They do. Well, you know, you can fold them up. They don't have to be yeah. upstanding all the time unless you've got like a real high-end kind of one. I get, I, I get that, but still, like, where are you going to set it up? Where, where are they usually set up? Usually in the garage, aren't they? Or- yeah, but I've got a pool table and a pinball machine and everything else out there. <laughs> I've got no room. Okay. <laughs> That's the I was never a huge ping pong guy for some reason. I mean, okay, yeah. I can, you know, I played it and had, you know, a bit of fun with it, but I'm like... Mm. I think there are other things I'd rather be doing than playing ping pong. Anyway. Like playing pinball? Quite possibly. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, you mentioned you've got a pool table. I mean, when I came over to your place and saw you had a pool table, I'm like, oh, sweet. <laughs> Rack yeah, them up. I think everyone likes playing a, a quick game of snooker or pool, yeah. Absolutely. I'll just ask one more, considering you've got three as well. I'll <laughs> say, what food did Kramer offer everybody after the game? Oh, and it was something unusual. Hmm. But it wasn't pizza because he's been talking about pizza in this episode. It's something you cook in. It's something you cook in the oven. Was it pot roast? Well, for some reason here, I've got meatloaf. Is that right? I think. I think it might actually be. Yes, it was. It was meatloaf. Yeah, it was. It was, it was meatloaf. I'm just flicking through my notes of the episode. It was meatloaf. I'm, I'm reading meatloaf. I'm like, I'm not sure whether that's actually right. But yeah, it is. It's meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> now this episode was, um, yes, very Elaine deficient. Not nearly enough Elaine for my liking. But we did get some at the end, and we learned a little bit about Elaine that. Um, that she once kicked a man in his private parts for what reason? 
Once kicked the man in his private parts. I can remember the conversation. Oh, it's gonna. I nah, it's lost on me. Damn it! What is it? She kicked a man in the nuts to get his cab. That's it. I, th- I was going to say forget getting his seat on the bus, but I knew it wasn't quite right. Yeah, that's and she, <laughs> and she got the cab. <laughs> she did indeed. You actually, it's funny you mentioned there. We should have. We should also discuss. So as we said at the start, this was the first episode made after the pilot, but it's the third one to air after the pilot. It's the fourth episode. And they chose to go with the stakeout for episode two because it explained the Elaine-Jerry relationship much better. And it, I'm glad they made the decision because this was a re- this would have been a really weird way to introduce Elaine. It would have been. You were like, who is this person? I mean, um, yeah, they, they're getting along very, very well, but I've got no idea if they're boyfriend and girlfriend, if they're, you know, besties, if, you know, they could even be like brother and sister or something. Well, maybe not. But, um, yeah, to, but to have that... Um, Yes, to have that explanation of, uh, okay, yes, they were in a relationship, now they're not, but they're still friendly. Yeah, that works. Also, um, uh, doing, the, uh, doing the internet research for this episode found that uh, originally Elaine was not Elaine, she was Eileen. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I, I don't like that, uh, Eileen. I don't like that. It just doesn't Nor work. Nor do I. I don't know why, but Elaine just works. It's, it's, it feels a little more sort of cosmopolitan, Big city. It fits Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Eileen, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. I mean, maybe we're, we're just used to Elaine. We might have listeners out there who are named Eileen, but for some reason that name just screams someone who's a little bit older than what Elaine's supposed to be. A little bit, I think. It's like calling someone Doreen or something. <laughs> <laughs> or Beryl. I mean, yeah, there are, there, <laughs> there are names that are just yeah, of a, a certain era, a bygone time perhaps, Elaine feels timeless. Eileen, despite, you know, the great Dixie's Midnight Runner song, Come On Eileen, eh, it's a little passe. Yeah. Apologies to the Eileens out there. We mean you no disrespect whatsoever. But change your name. So the original air date for male unbonding in America was June 14th, 1990. Almost 20, no, almost 30 years ago now. It's incredible. (laughs) The episode kicks off with some stand-up, as it has been consistently throughout the first season and throughout the show's run. I did... Appreciate this. It's so true. The men working on things, they just like to stand around. Even when someone's cooking food on a barbecue, men just like to gather around and be a part of it. They like to add their two cents, don't they? I mean, I was watching this and realising, look, I'm not handy at all, but I admire the hell out of people who are. I mean, my brother-in-law, Ross, he's um, got an incredible tool shed out the back of his house. Everything in its right place. You know, he's got every sort of tool under the sun and, you know, knows where anything is at the drop of a hat. You know, can fix cars you know, fix furniture, all that kind of business. And I'm like, you know, I, I would pick up the, I would use a hammer using the wrong end if I did. You know. <laughs> so, yeah, so I really admire the hell out of that. So Seinfeld's very, Jerry's very right in, in, in his thing there. Having said that, I mean, looking at the audience, you know, they sort of do cutaways to the audience and you're getting a little sort of feedback from them. It's like, I don't know if the audience is into this all that much. The, the laughter felt a bit sort of canned and a bit forced. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the thing is, though, when they would have said beforehand, all right, this is going to be filmed for TV, so even if they didn't find it funny, they're going to at least try and pretend to be funny. Uh, laughing, oh, you, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this was one of the more relatable and enjoyable stand-up routines that he's done of the first couple of episodes for me, anyway, because it's, it's just true. Like, when we used to work at, when I used to work at Ford, we'd have, like, a, you know, a monthly barbecue. When the barbecue came out, everyone just, like, stopped working and just sort of walked around, just <laughs> stood around while the... Why, Slavko cooked the chavapis on the barbecue. <laughs> right. Mate, mate, you going to turn those? Going to turn those anytime soon? No, 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 no. Just let them go a little bit. Mate, yeah. come on. 
<laughs> the best part of it, I've told this on the podcast with our Mitch, I believe, but we, it was the end of the end of Ford barbecue, and we all put in five bucks to get a heap of meat to cook up on the um, to cook up on the barbecue. And Slavko was this old um, Yugoslavian guy. I think it was Yugoslavian, maybe Macedonian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he was running the barbecue. It was his thing, his barbecue. Brought it from home. He left it at work. He cooked. And we all gave five bucks. We were expecting, you know, steak, hamburgers, the, the lot. Because, I mean, there's like 40 people there. So, it's 200 bucks worth of meat. You get a fair bit. Yeah. And he pulls out these two giant plastic bags full of chavapis. And <laughs> we're like, Slavko, where's the sausages? And he goes, no sausage. Only chavapi fucking. <laughs> and, we're, and we're like, but what, what about hamburgers? No, just chavapi fucking. <laughs> just like, chavapi. I mean, there ain't no party like a chavapi party. That's true. But, I mean... Oh, <laughs> did you enjoy the Shavapi nonetheless? Oh, the Shavapis were fucking incredible, but it was but just the sight like- of these, all, these, <laughs> all these grown, masculine, tough men going, but we wanted hamburgers. No hamburger, Shavapi <laughs> fucking. <laughs> the Shavapi Nazi, that's what you get. <laughs> oh, but it was great. Just seeing $200 plastic bags worth full of just fucking Shavapi. It was one oh, of my, my favorite moments of Ford. It was just so great. But um, anyway, so, so the episode kicks off with... Uh, with George, he's upset. Um, Jerry and George are arriving at Jerry's apartment. He's complaining that he, he can't believe he told this girl that he liked her. The floss came out of his pocket and was stuck to his hand. And this, it's just very much George, this scene, isn't it? Just worrying about something that he probably doesn't need to be worrying about. True, but it is pretty... I mean, how would you feel if someone, you know, was going through their pockets like, oh, hang on, I think I've got some change for the meter here. Oh, hang on, here's some floss. It's like, why, why do you have <laughs> dental, dental floss probably used in your pocket? I mean, I can understand if it... You know, maybe got stuck to your finger or something and you, it got in there by accident. I mean, but oh, I would be looking at that person a little differently for a little while after that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what else is in that pocket of yours? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did like George's line in this. I've got this sick compulsion to tell women how I feel. I, I love how neurotic George is and just, yeah, that, but that's a very sort of honest thing. I mean, there, yeah, there are some people who are kind of like just blurt out their feelings. That they've got no sort of poker face whatsoever. I I remember when it came to the whole love you thing with Nicola. I didn't say it until she said it. I was like, I I ain't fucking this one up. I'm letting her say it first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, too, so Jerry um, he's talking about George's bum bag. Were these ever a thing? Bum bags. I think they they tried to make it a thing for a little while because I mean. They're, they're not impractical. I think, they were, I think there were certain people who used them in certain lines of work, for instance. I mean, I'm trying to remember what they were, but I mean, I think they really worked for some people and then everyone thought, hmm, you know, I could just sort of, I don't have to carry a big bag around. I could just carry this thing on my hip like a gunslinger. And then, <laughs> and then not long after that, everyone realised, oh, no, you look like an absolute you know, dork when you do that. It's like when mobile phones first started becoming a thing and there were people who actually wore like wore them in a holster. Did you did you, did you ever see that? No, no. See, my, my earliest memory of phones is like the Nokia thirty three fifteens. I'm pretty sure there were. I don't know how it it wasn't a thing that really took off with everybody, but there were certainly some people who had like a holster for their for their mobile wore on their That's belt. That's amazing. I know. I mean, if you, you Google search it, I'm pretty sure you can find images of it. And it, yeah, it was one of those things like. This is a good idea in some ways, but it's a bad idea in so many other ways. Every other so, way. <laughs> yeah, so, so let's not. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but I did notice the, I did notice the bum bag. It was probably the first thing I saw when, 
when they entered the and when George entered the frame, and I'm like, they're going to make something of this. I'm sure they can't yeah. just let they can't just let that lie there. And what does Jerry what does Jerry say about it? You don't think it might have had anything to do with that? You don't like this? Looks like your belt is digesting a small animal. Uh, so Kramer's already in Jerry's apartment when they get there. He's talking on the phone. We don't know who with just yet. Talking about how he thinks that there's already a cure for cancer. It's all a big conspiracy. <laughs> I think they tried they, they try to get away from that element of his character by the end of the series, I think. like He wasn't so much of a wacky conspiracy theorist. He was more a case of just a guy who was just trying to make a quick buck doing something outlandish. Yeah. I would hope that he, was, that he would not be an anti-vaxxer or something along those lines. But he's very excited to see them get home and he um, gives the phone to Jerry. Won't tell him who it is. Don't you hate that when says, someone says, here's the phone. Who is it? I just, 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 just take it. It's like, no, yeah, I want to know who I'm about to commence talking with. Jerry speaks for all of us when he says, I hate being, just being handed a phone. He's very, very right. Hello? Oh, hi, Joel. What? No, uh, I was out of town. I just got back. Kramer doesn't know anything. He's just my next-door neighbor. Uh, nothing much. Tuesday? Mm, Tuesday, no, I'm meeting somebody. Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday's okay. All right. Um, I'm a little busy right now. Can we talk uh, Wednesday morning? Okay. Yeah. Right. Thanks. Bye. Why do you put me on the phone with him? I hate just being handed a phone. Well, it's your phone. He, he wanted to talk to you. Maybe I didn't want to talk to him. Well, why not? It bothers me. I don't even answer the phone anymore because of him. He's turned me into a screener. Basically, Joel is that friend, like you said, that you feel like you're always friends with. Even when you don't want to be, you just you have to, and you can't say no to them because you don't want to upset them. You don't you don't know what they're going to do if you if you say no. So, um, like, like Jerry says here, he turned me into a screener. Yes, <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, that's a good phrase. I wish that one had sort of taken off a bit more. But uh, I, th- I thought that was actually a really good phrase. Yeah, I think everyone, yeah, you're right. Everyone's had some friend at one stage or another. It's like, I don't know if this is really working for me. I mean, it's not an unhealthy relationship. It's not, uh, it's not damaging to my, you know, to my mind or my soul or anything like that. But it, yeah, it's, I think there are better ways than spending my, <laughs> the time that I have on this planet than spending it with this person, every, even if it's only every once in a while. <laughs> As he says, we just have nothing in common. I don't, not that I don't like the guy, we just have nothing in common. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you... <laughs> You bond over some weird thing when you're well, a ping pong table when you're uh, when you're a kid. Yeah, but sometimes yeah, <laughs> that's all there is. There's nothing that's it's a not a great foundation to build a friendship on. It's funny. I, I caught up with a friend. I didn't catch up. I actually saw him in the car park of a supermarket. I oh, would have been, I'd say, even two or three months ago now. And we were absolute best friends growing up. He lived around the corner. I reckon for maybe. Four or five years, like my, my childhood, he was my best friend for four or five years, you know, sleepovers, whatever. Um, but he was always a year level above me at school. So once he went to high school, he made a whole new group of friends. We never really saw each other anymore because once I started high school, we moved away. And I've seen him maybe once since. And it was just, we caught up in the car park. And all we had to discuss was the video games that we used to play. You know what I mean? We just said, <laughs> I'm like, I, I really want to be friends with you, but we just don't know each other anymore. Yeah. And I mean, you've got to decide. Look, um, have I got enough? You know, have I got enough time left in the world to sort of make that investment of getting to know this person all over again? I mean, it could be great, but I mean, I think I can count probably on both hands the number of you know good friends that I've made since the age of thirty, and that's you know, that's 
that's a little time. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the number of good friends that I made in that time. And, you know, there's, there's certainly some, and, and they are good friends. But, um, no, I think, it, you know, the seeding of friends is something that has to start fairly early on in the process of life. <laughs> I, think the, I think the older you get, the size of your friendship group doesn't matter. It's just the quality of your friendship group. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely right. So, um, Kramer, uh, sorry, George here mentions that the Knicks tickets, and I wrote as I was doing my review, well, that feels out of place. But then later on, it made sense. I was like, well, why did I just mention the Knicks tickets? That had, it went nowhere, but of course, plays into the story <laughs> later on. Yeah. Kramer is on the phone talking about Kramerica Industries and the pizza business, uh, make your own pie. I, honestly, I would like to go to this place and make my own pizza. You were talking about this before, how much how, how good it sounded. I don't know. I think I like the idea of a, a you know a steaming hot pizza pie brought out to me, as opposed to me sort of constructing it. And see, I went. There used to be a place in um in Paco, um or on Paco, I should say, local reference by the way. Uh, used to cook your own steak. Oh like, yeah, and I I didn't like that concept. I'm like, I'm paying forty dollars for this steak, and you've just whacked a piece of raw meat onto a hot plate here, and I'm watching it cook in front of me, but. <laughs> What, what, what am I paying for? <laughs> I yeah. could have done this myself. That's the thing. I remember that place. I mean, I, I sort of looked in the window once or twice and um, I remember saying to my, my ex-wife at the time, I was like, mm, yeah, we like steak. We should probably go check that out. And it was one of those places like, yeah, we should go check that out every three or four months or so. Yeah, we should go check that out. Never did. <laughs> and now it's gone. But I mean, I remember looking in the window and thinking, yeah, what are you paying for here? You're not paying for the ambience of the restaurant because it just it basically looks like a you know, shitty hospital cafeteria. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so Jerry um, Jerry hangs shit on Joel and jo- George just doesn't understand why he's still friends with him and obviously Jerry explains it. Who is this guy? His name's Joel Hornick. He lived like three houses down from me when I grew up. He had a ping pong table. We were friends. Should I suffer the rest of my life because I like to play ping pong? I was 10. I would have been friends with Stalin if he had a ping pong table. <laughs> He's so self-involved. I don't know why you bother with this ping pong guy, I tell you that. I don't bother with him. He's been calling me for seven years. I never called him once. He's got the attention span of a five-year-old. Sometimes I sit there and I make up things just to see if he's paying attention. Well, I don't understand why you spend time with this guy. What can I do, break up with him? Tell him, I don't think we're right for each other. It's a guy. At least with a woman, there's a precedent. You know, the relationship goes sour, you end it. No, 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 no. You have to approach this as if he was a woman. Just break up with him? Absolutely. You just tell him the truth. George is quite on the ball. For someone who, you know, he... um. He screws up more often than not, or we're showing him, we, we see him screwing up more often than not. He's pretty astute when it comes to a lot of things about human nature, I've got to say, old mate George. So we got the stand up here. As a guy, I don't know how I can break up with another guy. You know what I mean? I don't know how to say, Bill, I feel I need to see other men. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There is nothing I can do. I have to wait for someone to die. I think that's the only way out of this relationship. It could be a long time. See, the great thing about guys is that we can become friends based on almost nothing. Just two guys will just become friends just because they're two guys. That's almost all we need to have in common. Because sports, sports and women is really all we talk about. If there was no sports and no women, the only thing guys would ever say is, uh, so what's in the refrigerator? 
I must I must be a terrible friend in that. I I'm not because I'm not much of a sporty kind of guy. I mean, I like the cats here in Geelong, but I mean, you know, I think someone's asked me. It's like, oh, you know, who's your next favorite team? I'm like, no, I like the cats. That you know, <laughs> I like watching them play. But it's not like I've got you know a list of other teams. Like, oh, and then I like the Hawks, and then I like the Saints. It's like, no, I like my team. You know, and I mean, the, I think there are people who will watch a game of football that their team is not playing, and I'm like, why? <laughs> well, I, I was I was actually I was actually saying to um my mate the other day. I think a lot of people because of the isolation and what's happened with the with the COVID nineteen. I think a lot of people are going to realize that they have nothing in common with their friends except for football. Because <laughs> when there's no when the football and all the other sports have been taken away, men don't know what to talk to each other about anymore. <laughs> it's just going to have to be women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's just, it's just. Uh, I just think a lot of people, like we used to have a couple of guys at work. Like for example, you know Nigel at work. He only comes into our office when the footy season's on, so he can talk about football. Yes. But he, he says he came in the other day. He's like, I'm lost, boys. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. There's no football. There's no basketball. There's no American football. There's nothing. And I think the world is just. We don't realize, especially Australia as a nation, we don't realize how much we rely on sport to get us oh, through yeah. the day. <laughs> You're gonna. We're gonna have to develop more aspects of our character. Uh, Joel and Jerry are now at lunch. Um, they're still not monks, but it's they were in a, a booth at least this time, weren't they? They weren't at a table. Or were they at a table? They were at a table. They weren't at a booth. Oh, okay. I thought they were at a booth. All right. But he's just not listening to Jerry at all. You can completely understand why Jerry doesn't want to be this guy's friend because uh, not only does he not listen to Jerry, he's just a, a, he's a horrible person. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit kind of... He's a bit bull in the china shop. I think I... I'm looking at my notes about that I wrote during the episode and what I've written down is, yeah, I'd break up with this guy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, we should discuss. So, what did you think about the overall story, the whole breaking up with a guy? Did you think it was playing up something a bit too much just for the sake of creating a story out of it? Or do you think this is there's somewhat a sense of realism here? No, I think it's an actual thing. I mean, look, I've certainly had... Um, I've had friends in the past, you know, when I've... And I'm not talking about sort of schoolyard squabbles here. I'm talking about as a as a grown person, where I've you know had friends in my life and thought, I don't know if this person's good for me. You know, I don't think they're not necessarily a bad influence, but I don't know. I think hanging around with them, spending as much time with them as I do, I don't think it's helpful for me. And yep. yeah, I think I might need to sort of, if not cut ties completely, at least cut you know, you know. Um, Create a little distance, a little social distance. And if you're, if you're having any element of having to sort of think, what are the pros and cons of being friends with this person? Then they're probably not good to be friends with. If you have to at least even think about that at all, they're probably not for you. Well, true. Yeah. And I mean, um, romantic relationships, I think it's a bit, um, it's a little more cut and dried with the, um, when you decide to break up. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think a, a, a same-sex friendship can be a little more complicated. Or, or even a friendship of people of the opposite sex. I mean, if there's no sort of romantic attachment, it's just, you know, you're not, you're not bound by um, physical or emotional attraction. You're just sort of bound by shared interests and just a genuine appreciation and affection for one another in, in, a, platonic, in a platonic way. That can be a bit harder to sort of break, you know, because it's, um, you know, attraction can maybe, you know, physical or emotional attraction, romantic attraction can kind of can fade over time or it can evolve into something else. But a friendship is kind of like, oh, wait, so you're, you're saying you don't, you know, you don't like me as opposed yeah. to you don't love me, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think that can be, 
I don't, I'm, I'm not explaining myself very well, but do you sort of you see where I'm coming from, sort of? I completely agree. They actually played this scene up, I thought, like he was breaking up with a girlfriend, though. Even though oh, very, think- yeah, very much. Well, I think that's, yeah, where the comedy sort of lies in it. I mean, yeah, yeah he's trying, yeah, he's trying to negotiate this very... Uh, any, any breakup is complicated, sure, but I think a friendship breakup or a friendship sort of uncoupling is a little harder. And, yeah, he's trying to apply, <laughs> you know, just, you know, uh, cutting it with an axe. <laughs> no, nah, it's not going to play like that, and it and doesn't it, play like that in the in this uh, in this scene. No, it doesn't. No. So Joel starts getting really upset, and immediately Jerry starts feeling guilty and just gives in and just gives him George's ticket. <laughs> yes, and and throwing in the whole "it's not you, it's me" kind of thing, which is you know <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so we come back. Um, this is the 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 bank scene. He's wearing that sweater again, that white sweater. Yeah, the cricket jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe they set a, a, a low budget for the wardrobe in the early days. <laughs> she calls me up at the office. She yeah. says, we have to talk. Oh, the four worst words in the English language. <laughs> that or whose bra is this? <laughs> that is worse. So we order lunch and we're talking. Finally, she blurts out how it's not working. Really? So I'm thinking, as she's saying this, I'm thinking, great. Relationship's over, but the egg salad's on the way. So now I have a decision. Do I walk or do I eat? Mm. You ate. Sat there for 20 minutes chewing, staring at each other in a defunct relationship. Someone says, get out of my life, and that doesn't affect your appetite. Have you ever had their egg salad? It is unbelievable. unbelievable. (laughs) Tell you what else is unbelievable. I picked up the check. She didn't even offer. She ended it. The least she could do was send me off with a sandwich. How much could you possibly have in there? It's my money. What should I do, throw it out the window? I know a guy who took his vacation on his change. Yeah, where'd he go, to an arcade? That's funny. You're a funny guy. Come on, move on. He's 100% right. When you hear that, you're in trouble. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> or even when like your parents would say alright I need to have a word with you you know it's not going to be a good conversation you're going to be in trouble <laughs> I don't really I don't know if I've got the emotional kind of muscle to deal with this uh, okay fine let's do it let's bite the bullet but still though George's jar of money it just fit his character perfectly don't you think <laughs> that sounds like it fits my kind of character given that I've got all these coins around the house but uh, I don't know do you, do you not have that at all I mean well I suppose cash is becoming less of a thing these days. I mean, we're all sort of tapping and swiping and whatnot. But I mean, I don't know. Every once in a while, you'll end up with you know ten cent pieces, five cent pieces, or whatever. It's like man, I'm not going to carry all these around in my wallet or in my pocket or whatever. If I see anything lower than a fifty cent piece on the ground, I ain't bending over to pick that up. <laughs> <gasps> not even a twenty. I, no, not even a twenty. Like someone else. If, if someone's willing to bend over and pick up a twenty cent piece, they clearly need it more than I do. So I'll leave it for them. <laughs> That's me. I'll bend for a twenty. I won't bend for anything. I, I won't. I won't crouch or bend or anything for anything lower than twenty cent piece. Tens and fives. You can. That's, can... that's going to be on your grave on your tombstone. <laughs> Davis. I'll bend over for a twenty. <laughs> oh, no, it's not on my gravestone. It's on my um, uh, on my Tinder profile. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you on Tinder? No, not anymore. Oh man. I've never even seen Tinder. If you ever go on it, you have to show me. I want to see what it's like. <laughs> eh, it's, it's not that. It's, it really is just sort of like a filing cabinet of photos of, of, of people. 
Okay. You know, and I mean, having said that, that's where I met the lovely Louise. So. Oh, okay, cool. So happiness does can be found on a on Tinder. It, it, it does, yeah. Sometimes the system works. I'm, I'm glad to hear. <laughs> and sh- sh- shout out to shout out to her as well. Hope she's doing much better. She's a, a lovely lady. She is indeed. Hello, Louise. I'll see you a bit later. <laughs> Great, Huey's hurt. Huey's hurt. How long is he going to be out? Well, a couple of days at the most. But jeez. Oh, Oh, God. I got scared there for a second. The Knicks without Ewing. <laughs> Listen, uh, George, little problem with the game. What about it? Uh, the thing is, yesterday I kind of, uh... What? I gave your ticket to Hornick. <laughs> you what? Yeah. I- I'm sorry. I had to give it to Hornick. My ticket? You gave my ticket to Hornick? Come on, come on, go ahead, move up. What did you give him my ticket for? You didn't see him, it was horrible. Oh, come on, Jerry, I can't believe this. I had to do it. please, can you change this into bills? I'm sorry, sir, we can't do that. Do you want to go with him? You go, I I don't mind. I'm not going with him, I don't even know the guy. Look, they did this for me before. Look, I can give you these and you can roll them yourself. You want me to roll 6,000 of these? What, should I quit my job? And I, I did feel bad for George here. Like, yeah, you can't give this ticket away. Regardless of the circumstances, that's not fair. Especially for... How do they, I think there's, there's a term defunct relationship in here, which I think is a really good uh, turn of phrase as well. Yeah, I mean, no, I felt, I felt bad for George as well. I mean, uh, it's just a... It's a <laughs> It's a complicated situ- situation to begin with, and they're making it more complicated with every move they make. No, I do not like the bank. I've heard the expression laughing all the way to the bank. I have never seen anyone actually do it. <laughs> and those bank lines. I hate it when there's nobody on the line at all. You know that part? You go to the bank, it's empty, and you still have to go through the little maze. Could you get a little piece of cheese for me? I'm almost at the front. I'd like a reward for this, please. I love this next shot of George wrapping up the coins into the, the to, so they can um, count the little like in the little cardboard slate. Yeah. Why bother? Like, what, <laughs> what, <laughs> he said that like you're lucky to get like is it like sixty dollars worth of of coins in there? They're all pennies, weren't they? They're all pennies. Yeah. So and he said it's like six hundred coins in there. So that's like sixty bucks, right? Well, sixty bucks is sixty bucks. Yeah, but doesn't he work in real estate? Surely George has more important things to do with his time than spend hours upon hours upon hours upon hours wrapping up these coins for the sake of sixty dollars. Well, maybe he's killing two birds with one stone. He's he's freeing up a little space in his living area by getting rid of these coins, and he's getting some nice. He's getting sixty dollars worth of folding stuff to put in his pocket. I can, I can see it being very therapeutic, though. True. Look, I mean, I remember back in the day that I would. Um, this is back when I was smoking cigarettes that I, and you know, I was like, oh, I'm out of money and also out of smokes. I've got all these coins. So I'd, you know, take a, a shit ton of change to the 7 Eleven or whatever and say, uh, I'll have a pack of Marlboro Lies, please. Uh, and I, I felt compelled to come up with some kind of excuse as to why I was paying, you know, with pocket change. It was like, uh, we were playing poker with the boys and uh, I won big, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what can you do? <laughs> it's, all, it's all spending money, right? <laughs> no, give, me my, give, give me my spokes and I can get out of here. <laughs> oh, man, I, I feel like some, there's still some people that still go up and pay with coins. 
Like, it, <laughs> and it, I re- it really bothers me when I'm behind them in a line. But if I'm not behind them in line, I just laugh my head off at the people behind them in line. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say, I mean, I don't know if you, you go into the supermarket or pretty much any other place these days, and a lot of them are saying, uh, yeah, we prefer you tap and go and go as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, they actually prefer that now because of the whole coronavirus. They don't want people handling money. So, a lot oh, yeah, of, of course. They're saying we only accept card now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. I, mean, I think they're still taking cash. I mean, I, I went to some place the other day and said, uh, look, I'm, I know this is probably not cool, but you're taking cash? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's all good. And so, that, so they accepted my, my uh, grotty, grotty note, which I was happy about. But yeah, uh, yeah it's becoming more and more a thing of, uh, you know, just tap your card and keep your distance. Uh, so Jerry offers his ticket to go to the basketball because he just doesn't want to go with Joel at all. And George says, no, 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 what we do, let's suggest a lie, and then we'll both go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I've written down here, no, no, George, that won't work. <laughs> uh, it, it won't work, but it's a very George idea to come up with. All right, we'll, we'll just lie to him, and then we can both go. But um, Kramer <laughs> arrives, um, he thinks his business is going to work, and George and Jerry, they're just not buying it. But later on, like, I feel like that business would have worked. It's just that Poppy didn't want to let people put, make their own pie. I think so. Yeah, look, you're you, you're staking a good case for it, but I I just couldn't go for it. I would no. I would prefer someone to make my pizza for me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Jerry calls Joel and gives him both tickets. He says, "Look, I can't go. You can have them both." Which I thought basketball tickets were really hard to come by, but it seems like they're just really nilly. If you, in 1990, well, 1990, because yeah, it's like, oh, we can go to this game, we go to that game. I thought like basketball tickets were just incredibly difficult to get your hands on. Well, especially these ones. What they say, you know, we're right behind the bench. We'll probably get we'll get sweated yeah. on. You know, that, yeah, that sounds like pretty high end tickets. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he really wants out of this relationship. He's willing to sort of yeah dump these tickets. We then get Elaine. Yeah. After 17 minutes of this episode, finally some Elaine. Yeah, and to think that this was going to be their introduction to the character is just insanity. She just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, as we were saying earlier, it's like you've got no idea of how these two are connected or even if they, you know, how they feel about each other. I mean, um, I think it's it's a good sort of thumbnail sketch of Elaine. What do they talk about? It's like they say, oh, do you want to go to a bar or a cafe or something? Like, well, what are we going to do there? Talk? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I thought that was, I thought that was so funny. Want to go get something to eat? Where do you want to go? I don't care. I'm not hungry. <laughs> you go to one of those uh, cappuccino places. They let you just sit there. What are we going to do there? Talk? <laughs> we can talk? I'll go if I don't have to talk. <laughs> we'll just sit there. Their conversations between Elaine and Jerry are so real. Like I feel like that relationship's the most believable and the most relatable in the entire show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you get the feeling these two would probably just happily while away afternoons and evenings just sort of, I don't know, griping about stuff, but not in a really eh kind of way, but just a, it'll be an entertaining and funny kind of way of just, you know, taking the piss out of everything and everyone. Kramer arrives and he said he, um, he went to the basketball, but how? Because he got uh, Hornick's uh, other ticket, got the other ticket from Joel, so he eventually got Jerry's ticket. And Joel arrives. Now, this next moment here was obviously their way of trying to introduce the character of Elaine because, you know, when Joel's sleazing on her, he's trying to say, ah, oh, so this is the Elaine I've been hearing mm. about, blah, blah, blah. But it just wasn't enough, you know? No, you're right. 
<laughs> Kramer suggests meatloaf, so he goes to cook some meatloaf. <laughs> and then Elaine and Joe both make excuses as to why they can't go to the basketball with Joel. And because he's, and because he's so self-centered, he's just completely oblivious to the whole thing. <laughs> what do they suggest? Choir practice, I think, is one of them. Yeah, something like, something that these two would never, ever do. <laughs> yes, but no, but there is just no escaping Joel. I've actually written that in capital letters here in my notes. Because, yeah, this guy just wants in. But do we, do we ever see him again? I don't think we ever see him again in another episode of Seinfeld. Uh, Joel, no, we don't, nah. He's always going to be there lurking in the, uh, lurking in the uh, not the distance, actually lurking a little too close, imposing yes, himself yeah. on Jerry's life. I feel like Kevin brought an element to the character where Joel was very unlikable, but not to the point where you didn't want to see him on your screen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's, uh, yeah, he's just... Um, <laughs> He adds a little spice to the uh, to the proceedings. And the final stand-up is just talking about the, the the friends that you can't get rid of. And as we've discussed throughout this, we've all had one of those friends. <laughs> we've still got them because we can't get rid of them. Yeah. We're, we're, we're too nice. We're, yeah. it, and, or it's just not worth the bother. <laughs> I love that you said that. We're too nice. And all we've done is just shit on people for the entire last, you know, 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so mail on bonding. I didn't quite enjoy this as much as the last two episodes, but going back... And going through this review, there were plenty of funny moments and I, I, I think you've won me over. I think I, similar to what I did with you with the Simpsons episode, The Old Man and the Sea Shooting, I think upon reflection, I enjoyed this a lot more than I realized whilst I was watching it. It's actually, uh, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, there's a lot of, well, it's the sum of its parts and there are a lot of good parts in there. So uh, yeah, it, it, it got the job done. Absolutely. Nice work, male unbonding. Even if you are the only episode without a the. At the very beginning. All right, I've got a couple of mailbag questions here too from the oh. listeners. So we'll just get, a couple, get through a couple of these and then we'll head off uh, back into our own isolation away from the rest of the world. So Brendan Allen says, do you think the button gag from the pilot was always planned to be on the final episode? Well, I highly, I would have to say no because they wouldn't have even known there was going to be a second season when they wrote it. I just yeah. think that they use it as a way of sort of making the show one giant loop. So it sort of goes back to the start. I think I think it was a good way to to end the series, the same conversation that they started with. But um, there's no way they're thinking about a finale when they're writing the pilot. No, I think yeah, when you're writing the pilot, I think you're just thinking about okay, how do I set? I don't, I don't think you're thinking about the very very end. I just think you're thinking about hmm, what's a good gag? Yeah, this is. Let's go with it. <laughs> Madeline Corzine says, watching the pilot, were there any surprises about things that changed during the run of the series? I think the most for me was was the character of Kramer. I think they really... I think, that, I think that character, he was a little odd in that first episode, but he really changed throughout the series to the point where... I think I know you said Kramer wasn't your guy, but I think a lot of viewers were just rooting for Kramer. Where in that first pilot, he was just that really strange guy that was just going through Jerry's fridge. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think... Um, looks, I'm not a huge fan of, um, you know sort of the rough edges getting buffed away to make someone a bit more appealing or make a character more appealing. But I think in this case, it actually kind of worked. I mean, yeah, my, not dislike of Kramer, but just not my, my maybe disinterest in him. Yeah, a lot of it stems from not just that first episode, yeah, but the fact that he was kind of twitchy and weird and, yeah, I don't know what to make of this guy. I mean, yeah, certainly in later episodes, I think he's, yeah, more likable, more entertaining, even if he's not my favourite. So, yeah, I mean, um, but I think you could say that about a lot of the characters as well. I mean, they all kind of evolved. Well, I guess Jerry did and I guess Elaine did. George certainly did. 
Yeah, yeah George that, I, George became a character in himself where he was just sort of a sidekick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the main changes in the main cast were certainly in Kramer and and in George. Also the um the the restaurant. Oh, of course, know, like, yeah. Like Monk, Monks became such a such an iconic visual um when it comes to 90s television that it was just strange seeing them in a, in a standard restaurant. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, oh. Yeah, something's not quite right here. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, final question here from Talia Enriquez. She says, did the show make you curious about any, about some minor aspect of New York that you were interested in exploring if you ever visited the city? Um, I'll let you answer this while I think about it because, I mean, I, I do have sort of an answer. Uh, well, see, I, I, well, obviously, this is not something from the show, but I wanted to go to Tom's Restaurant where the show was, where the exterior shot was used on the show. Um purely because and nothing inside even in looks like Seinfeld they don't play it up there's a, like a couple of signed photos on the wall and whatnot but yeah. it was just I will never forget walking up getting off the subway walking up the street and just seeing that sign Tom's restaurant just <laughs> in front of me and I was like that, that's that's it that, that that's the sign that, that, that that's the one from the television show like I, it was just one of those moments where there's so much in America that I'd always wanted to witness and sort of experience in real life that I'd watched on TV and movies as a kid but for me, seeing that Tom's restaurant exterior in real life from across the street was one of my favorite moments of ever going to New York. Talking about elements from the show that I that I wanted to uh, check out, I just wanted just that diner esque vibe because I don't I feel like we don't really have that in Australia the, the whole late night diners and things like that. No, that's the thing. I mean, um, I went to New York for the first and so far only time back in the, the end of twenty thirteen. And spent about a week there. And uh, where did I go? I went, well, I knew one of the things I wanted to do was get like a dirty, great pastrami sandwich from a deli. Yeah, and, like a deli. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I wasn't far from Katz's deli. Went and said, um, okay, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, give me pastrami on rye with whatever, whatever. And I got this, honestly, God, I could have lived off that sandwich for like three days. It was just giant. It was so yeah. big and, and so tasty. Um, so, yeah, I mean... Look, and and, and can, can I just interrupt? It's also the fact that you're eating it in New York. There's something about it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, and just, I don't know, walking the streets and sort of, you know, that's that's the Empire State Building right there. Yeah, yeah. Or, that's know, Central Park, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm not just walking in a park. I'm walking in Central Park. It's like, oh, holy shit, that's the building from Ghostbusters. Oh, my God, that's where John Lennon got shot. And, I mean, these were like three blocks from one another. So, it's yeah. like... Yeah, this is yeah. There's a lot going on here, and I think yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily Seinfeld related, but um, I think if you've just digested any kind of American popular culture over the last couple of decades, it's like, hmm, yes, New York. That seems very familiar to me, even if you you know you spent the bulk of your life in bloody Geelong, Victoria. And I know New York is going through some very, very, very tough times at the moment. So shout out to anyone who's listening who may be from the area. Just anyone in general who's been affected by the uh, the coronavirus, our hearts go out to you all. We're thinking of you all, and if we all support each other and stay positive, we can hopefully get through it. Yep, stay in, stay safe, and um, this too shall pass, as they say. But uh, yeah, yes. shout out to uh, all our uh, all our beloved uh, listeners and patrons. And uh, yeah, if you're feeling a bit uh, if you're feeling a bit sick or a bit lonely or a bit isolated or whatever, we're with you. Keep listening, and we'll uh, we'll keep chatting and hopefully providing you with a bit of a uh, bit of amusement, and a bit of entertainment.
Alrighty, so that is Mail Unbonding. Hope you enjoy, guys. Next week, we're going to be reviewing the season finale. Only episode five, but the season finale of season one. It is called The Stock Tip. Do you want me to give you a quick rundown of what this episode's about, Guy, or do you want to be surprised? I think I'd like to be surprised, Dan, unless you really yep. want to give me a rundown. No, I don't want to give you that. I want you to be surprised, because I like to be surprised as well. <laughs> Surpri- surprises are actually fun, for the most part. Yes. All right, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening. Remember, you can send your questions through to TalkingSeinfeld at gmail.com. Guy, any final words for our beloved Talking Seinfeld listeners? Um, only that breaking up is hard to do. It is very, very hard to do, but we're going to right now. Farewell, listeners. <laughs>